This is Chris Angelus, and this is Right at the Fork, and I am really pleased today to have one of my favorite people in the Portland food world, Garrett Peck, with us, who is the general manager of Imperial and the Portland Penny Diner. Many people will know him from his years at the Heathman at the front of the house and doing it very well. He's one of the nicest guys in show business, and he does a super job uh, representing and carrying the Paley's flag at uh, Imperial and Portland Penny Diner. His first experience in Portland was at Jake's, where he had a meal and decided that that was where he wanted to be, and he moved here from, I believe it was Seattle. Uh, Grew up in uh, both Montana and Alaska, so he brings a Northwest flair to a Northwest restaurant. I uh, have the have had the opportunity to get to know Garrett over the last couple of years, and he's one of my favorite people to work with. So I know he's a good conversation, and we had a good conversation with him. So uh, listen in, and of course, share this podcast with your friends, rightatthefork.com, Food Podcast PDX on Twitter, and also through your uh, your favorite podcast listening mechanism, whether that be Stitcher, iTunes, uh, tune in uh, or any of the others that are your favorites, but please share it. And so today, while you can't see him dressed in his vest and his tie and his great looking shoes, boots actually, Garrett Peck. I'm telling you, for uh, morning, we thought you only got dressed up at night. You're looking pretty dapper. There's a lot of plaid going on in this room, right? You got a little plaid vest. That's a great vest. I wish I could wear a vest. I can. I have some, but I don't really fit in them. It's a little no woodsy. It is woodsy. Kind of imperial-like. That's the whole imperial thing right there. You got the, the scarf, the great hat. Feeling comfortable. You're, I'm glad. Really comfortable. We just had the, uh, Heather and I had the pleasure of a great breakfast at Imperial. Yeah, how'd that go? I don't know. You were sitting with us. How was it? I, I looked like it was great. I didn't see much left in that coddled egg pan. No, that was really good. Nice presentation, too. <laughs> hey, thank you. Yeah, that's good. That's uh, Benny and, and Vitaly going all out right there. That's one of those sexy breakfast items, we call that. I think uh, it seems like they're always going all out. I don't think there's anything there that's just calling it in. No, that's true. A couple items on that breakfast menu, the lunch items as well, and then, boy, dinner has just been outrageous lately. Has it really? Yeah. What do you attribute that to? Uh, I think that there's a little buzz out there in the community right now, being open a year and a half. I um, think that people are, are finally starting to hear it, and you know, little by little, customer by customer, we're kind of doing that outreach. So, you, so you've been there since day one. Day you one. The Heathman before that. What defines a Paley's restaurant to you? So there are three of them. What, what is it that makes a Paley's restaurant different? The, the most important thing for Paley's, as, as Kimberly and Vitaly, is the importance of what goes on a plate and the service that comes with it. Nothing else matters. Okay? The ambience, of course, but that's all, that's all that's way all done. outside. That's yeah. already done. Yeah. But the most important thing for Vitaly is what's on the plate the ingredients and the perfection of that. And then for Kimberly and what she's instilled in all of us is the service of warm, congenial, uh, real, genuine, 
honest, personable service. So what was it that you have gleaned from Kimberly that you didn't, that perhaps, I'm guessing they're nuances because you were, ran the front of the house at the Heathman for years. What is it that, what did you pick up or what have you, what are you doing differently now than you did at the Heathman? A little bit more laid back and certainly more genuine with a little bit more spirit and pizzazz. Really? That's so you just she... get to be yourself? Yeah. So at the Heathman, maybe you weren't feeling your, yourself as much? It and was you were a glad... little bit more stuffy, you know, with the with the uh, the suits and the ties and buttoned all the way to the top. And and that corporate environment was definitely different. There's, there's a bit more of a artistic air when it comes to Kimberly and to Vitaly. And also the hotel itself, I think, is a little more laid back and yeah, feels a little absolutely. more, got a little more... Portland, so the whole atmosphere down there yeah. is different. Yeah. So year and a half, I gather, you know, I always see a smile on your face. You're loving your job. Oh, yeah, for and, sure. <laughs> and what is it that you love most about your job? Because you're doing a lot of the, the day-to-day. It's not only service. You're doing it's a lot service. of service. It's the bookkeeping. It's the payroll. It's the hiring. It's the training. It's uh, the mentoring of, of the staff. Um, all of that. We do all of that on a daily basis. And, you know, Heather and I were talking this morning when we were having breakfast about, you know, we were thinking about where is there great service in Portland? What comes to mind? And uh, and we thought, I thought of Imperial. And it wasn't just because we were sitting there. It's every time I've been there, the servers have been really friendly, big smiles on their faces, and attentive, and they know the menu. Um, I guess my question is, What's more important for people to notice great service or that the service is kind of so good that you're not even aware of it? You just have a great experience. I think the latter. I think that, you know, it's just service. Service should be as good as the food always. And and it should just and it should be natural. It shouldn't be forced. It shouldn't be fake. It shouldn't because. It shouldn't be because that's your job. It should be because that's the way that it is, ultimately. Right. I mean, and that's really what we try to instill in our in our staff is, is it be comfortable in your skin. I mean, we hire men and women that are uh, smart, knowledgeable, fast, agile, um, and maybe not a lot of restaurant experience, but people who are genuinely hospitable and friendly. So when the rubber hits the road with service, it's not only presenting the dishes, talking about the menu, but really when problems arise. That's how people deal with problems. And that's a little hard to teach because every problem is different, right? We, we just this morning talked about a few instances which are, you, you almost couldn't write them, right? But, um, but uh, how do you teach people to deal with problems other than running to the manager and saying, what do we do about this? They have to handle it in the moment because you're generally dealing with a disgruntled customer. Yeah, I mean, we, we've always, we've taught our staff just, you know, to never, you never really want to try and win. The customer obviously is always right. We've been taught that. It's been preached. It's, it, it's kind of, it's written there. And the customer, by the way, But they're sometimes really that. unreasonable. So totally. them winning and them being right is a tough, tough pill to swallow. It doesn't matter if they win. Who cares? You know, just stay true to the fact that customer service will prevail. You know, a funny story, and I was going to tell you earlier, but I'll, I'll tell you now because uh, 
it just kind of brings up that whole sense. And I remember when I was a very young manager, it was 1996, 97, couldn't even have been 98. Is this in Montana? No, this is here in Oregon. Okay. <laughs> At a famous restaurant up the street. And um, I had just gotten my manager job and it was, I was six months into it. And I was, I was just, I literally had quit my job for this and moved down here to work at this restaurant because I was so impressed by You're the, not by name the service. It? I, it Jake's famous crawfish. Yeah, I mean, okay. everybody That's, knows I was going to name it. And um, so I, I literally, I quit my job because I love this restaurant so much and moved down here and, and knocked on their door and begged them to hire me until they hired me. And anyway, so I'm being mentored and I'm a manager and, and this, this, this single diner is dining and, and she basically is not happy with anything. And I am asked by the staff to come over and chat with this lady. And, and she basically just kind of like starts ripping me apart and she has a coupon and she wants to use your coupon and it's out of the expiration date. And I suddenly am just like, forget about it. I'm going to win. I'm going to win this. It, it's clearly, it states on there that this is the expiration date. I'm not going to allow it. I'm going to make her pay for everything. And I kind of like dug in my heels and at the end of the day, just said, no way. I'm sorry. We're not taking it and walked away from the table. Well, she at that point in time pays, storms out of the restaurant, calls my boss, the GM, John Underhill, the next day and goes through this whole rigmarole about how much of an asshole I was. And I'm like, whoa, he calls me into the office. I'm like, oh, boy, what went down? And I kind of had a feeling it might have been this lady. Sure enough. But his point was is that it doesn't matter. It's all about the customer experience that's going to bring them, their friends, their people, their family, their group, their neighborhood back the next time. It doesn't matter. It's a $20 coupon. What does it matter to you? It doesn't. At the end of the day. And you wouldn't have to be having that conversation that morning, personally. Correct. Had you just said, okay. Yeah, fine, you're right. No you. problem. Thank you so much for coming in. Here, I'll take care of that for you. I mean, there was no problem. I, I, There was really no problem. You know? It wasn't like she was trying to pull one over on us. It had nothing to do with anything except for me wanting to be right and showing that I was drawing the line and holding to my word. And that's just, that's not, that's not, that at that point in time, that's when I realized it wasn't service. It was me. That wasn't service. That was not service. It was right. me wanting to win. Right. You know? And it's single-minded. It's not looking at the bigger picture because Correct. each experience can lead. You, you never know in life. Every experience in life can lead to something that you had no idea existed. Yeah. And in that, for a restaurant, you don't know who knows other people, who are, who's an influencer. You really need to be mindful of that. And- it's hard. I would imagine it's really hard. For instance, I was just thinking, you're talking about this, and this podcast is going out there, so we're inviting everybody to come into Imperial, give you a hard time, and see if you're gonna <laughs> see if you're gonna comply. So um, let, let, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah, mention the podcast if you're gonna give Garrett a hard time, and then. Um, but uh, so, what are your what other what are some of your favorite memories of nightmare customers? Oh, well, you know, I try to like push a lot of those behind me, but I've learned a lot over the years that, you know, just understanding the issues, understanding where people are coming from, attempting to put myself into their position, into their shoes, 
and 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 dealing with that. I mean, it, there's so many numerous stories. Um, I'm sure something will come to my mind as I'm as I'm chatting here. But you know, at the end of the day, when when we deal with customers and their issues, they really they really are are more about their person and about their being more than it is about the restaurant and or the food or the service. You know, a lot of times it's people bring a lot of stuff in with them and and it's it's hard to to let that go. So we you know, we as restaurant tours have to be um hospitable, we have to be warm, we have to be fuzzy, we have to be on our game, happy all of the time in order to turn that person around. And you work you work really hard. It's hard to be it happy hard all to the do time. That. Yeah. And you were just saying you could be yourself. It's a little more relaxed. It's probably hard with the amount of hours that you're working. It, it is. Well, you know, you got to really be on that game between the lunch and then the dinner hour. In between, you can be kind of a jerk, you know, <laughs> but only to yourself, <laughs> not really to anybody else. Um, boy, some maddening experiences by customers. I'll have to think about that one for a minute. All right. Well, we'll, we can come back to that. I usually never let anybody get under my skin. It just turns into silly situations. There have to be be people feigning problems and that sort of thing. So we'll come back to it. Um, So uh, what do you what would you rather have someone having a dining experience where the food is absolutely fantastic and the service was less than exciting or the food was mediocre and the service was fantastic. What do you think is going to bring a customer back uh, of those two scenarios? In in all of the restaurants that I've ever worked in, it's always been the latter. And don't you find it kind of fascinating that in Portland, not that the service is, you know, I think there's a bad rap on service in Portland. Um, but really, chefs here are such amazing artisans. They're They're really focusing on the food. And maybe just trying to get by on the service, and it can be okay. Isn't that? I we this when we opened this restaurant when we opened Imperial, this was something that we talked about for most of the summer before we opened. So July and August was dedicated to interviewing and communicating with potential staff members by myself and Kimberly Paley personally about that exact issue. Because what we wanted was perfection on a plate, and we knew that we were going to get that. We had 100% confidence with Benjamin Bettinger and Vitaly Paley working the kitchen and working the line. We knew what we were going to get on a plate. It was now up to us. Also, really high expectations when people come in the door because of those two Correct. chefs. Correct. And high expectations because they know that anything with the, with the name Paley behind it means that service is always going to be attached to that because, obviously, Paley's place you know, known for food and legendary service. I mean, Kimberly is always there. She is a right, a, a, a force, you know, when it comes to service and demands perfection when it comes to the simple things of marking tables, pouring water, uh, crumbing, wiping, you know, specks or, or, or breadcrumbs on the floor. She demands perfection. And so we knew that going into Imperial, we were going to have a little bit more of a casual feel, a little bit more of a casual menu, a little bit more broader menu. So downtown hotel, et cetera, et cetera. But we knew we need to have great service, service that matched that presentation on the plate, that matched that menu, that matched what Vitaly and, and Benny were doing. And that was our, our struggle. So we interviewed literally hundreds of candidates 
for days, for hours, for months, Kimberly and I lining up doing interviews for seven or eight people daily, five days a week. I mean, it was brutal. And our conversation to, to always end up was, with how many how many people in the restaurant? How many ended people? up with the forty two or forty four people is what we opened with to now essentially have twenty men and women that are extremely focused. Twenty. Service Run. staff, front of the house service staff members, yeah. That's amazing. That's a big restaurant. Not including the bar, just just right. just breakfast, lunch, and dinner service. Okay. So and and we have basically gleaned it to a, a group of men and women that are extremely focused on the art of service. And just really, quite frankly, like you experienced this morning with, with the crew that was there, just being friendly. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really all it takes, being happy, being friendly, being glad that you're at the job that you're at. That's what we instill as managers and owners is, is you know, just be happy. And well, if that, you like that's your job, the first step, but it's also... There's nuance involved. For instance, if the food is taking a while, don't say it'll be out in a minute and it's 15 more minutes. You, ha- you have to be able to, as a server, um, wind your way, deal with, deal with your own people as well as you deal with, uh, as well as you deal with customers and find that, one thing that, that Kimberly, balance. One, one thing that Kimberly always told us was to be honest. Right. So and, it's going to be if the kitchen's backed up, tell them. Yeah. But still, that's not a pleasant thing to tell people. It's not a pleasant thing. And thankfully, we have really never had to experience that at our restaurant. You know, when we have a dream team of of cooks and chefs that are true professionals, no matter what is thrown at us, rarely does it ever get into the, you know, what they call the shits, you know. So what? Uh, you obviously saw differences when you were interviewing all those people. To get to the 40, you must have gone through hundreds. What would you tell someone who wanted to work at a restaurant like Imperial or like Paley's or like the Heathman, any great restaurant? What would you tell someone uh, to that they need to do in an interview? Uh, what not to do and what to do what, what we were looking for, and we looked at people's and we looked at everybody's resumes and everybody's applications, we were really looking for people who were, um, who may, who had experience, but didn't need to have a ton of experience. We were looking for a group of, of men and women that were dedicated to the trade and we would teach them as much as we possibly could. I mean, we brought in people that had no experience and we brought in people that had lots of experience. And the group that we have now is kind of that in between. There, we never really stuck with anybody. We hired some people that we thought were going to be amazing, that they were, they've been working in service in restaurants all over the Pacific Northwest, all back east. They had just this long rap sheet of, of restaurants. That's probably the reason it was a long and, rap sheet. Correct. And, and correct. You know, you think, oh, this is going to be great. This is going to be experience for some of this younger staff. They turned out to be some of the worst that you could, that you could possibly hire. I mean, this happens on a regular basis. People think that they know service and they've worked all over the place, but in reality, they know nothing about service because you can't teach somebody to be genuine, to be to be honest, to be human. You can't teach that. It's an innate trait. I mean, you're born with it. I can teach you about the menu. I can teach you about the pork secreto. I can teach you about a romesco sauce, but you can't teach a lot of those other items that, you know, that are innate that we're born with. Personality is important. So we really looked at personalities, and that's really what we wanted was 
people with personality. So you're looking right in someone's eye when you're talking to them. Absolutely. They got. I'm curious. Let's talk a little bit about you. Grew up in Montana, right? Grew up in Montana. Grew up in Alaska. In Alaska, too. Privileged lifestyle of the outdoors. Yes. Yeah, so not what comes to mind when you think uh, of fine dining experiences as a child. And so having that innate knowledge inside of you, um, what was it that you... What was it from your childhood that you can attribute to be where you are today? or what, what did... My dad's always a very jovial, hospitable guy. That was one. But really, it was my grandmother on my mom's side, the Youngberg, Grandma Youngberg, that always taught me about the kitchen, taught me about cooking, showed me how to make yogurt. We're always making jam, huge, massive garden. And Huckleberry Kirkland, Jam, because that was the first. Oh, raspberry Jam, yeah. Raspberry, raspberry Jam. Oh, yeah. Because my first trip to Montana, I was in Huckleberry Heaven. She lived outside of Seattle, close to, in Kirkland, in between Seattle and Redmond, basically. And mm-hmm. that was one big berry patch in the late 70s and, and early 80s, before Microsoft set up shop. Mm-hmm. It's all one big berry patch. Strawberries, blackberries, raspberries, farms from, from all the, stretched all the way out almost to Issaquah. And... We would come down from Alaska or over from Montana every summer and spend a month with her. And it was about cooking and eating and hanging out in the garden and on the patio and, and you know, those long summer nights in the Pacific Northwest. And, and that was just a fascination of mine. I actually was given, when she passed away, all of her canning supplies, her pressure cooker, her jamming supplies. I mean, it's, it's, I use that stuff today. And you're making jam? Making jam, yeah. And what about siblings? What was your family life like growing up? A uh, younger sister and a younger brother. So you were the... You I was were, the old guy. You were guy. carrying the torch. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. were your parents, uh, were they strict? Were they... With me, they were very strict. And as the kids kind of grew up, it, it became less strict. You know, I set the, I basically set the tone and pushed the envelope. And so everything was easier after that for my brother and my sister. What kind of things were you doing to push the envelope? Oh, you know, hanging out with friends. Um, you know, but, I, it, but at the end of the day, I was a really good kid. I never really got into any shenanigans in high school at all. You know, skied, did sports, stayed out of trouble, hung out with friends. That was it. Did you, you know? find a way to get into trouble in later life? Oh, yeah. I think that happened in college. In college, right. <laughs> That's what I found because I got into a lot of trouble in Junior high school and high school, uh, a lot, just quite a bit. But I still managed to maintain, uh, and maintain my uh, maintain face. Um, Most of my shenanigans actually started after I got a job at a restaurant. There you go. That's what I was going to say. That's really where it kicks in. But I was going to say because I had it all out of the way when I got to college, partying was already kind of done. So that was standard operating procedure, and it. I didn't need to go wild. I found that in college. Right. Where'd you go to school? Montana State. And is that in Bozeman? That's in Bozeman. That's a great college town. That was a great college town, yeah. Well, I, it is, is a great college town yeah, still. Yeah. I, I have a, one of my best friends lived in Bozeman, and after I got my divorce, I went out there to chill out and uh, couldn't have been a better place to chill out, driving 120 miles an hour, going to Glacier and Yellowstone. Did you spend a lot of time going to... Those places when you I, were a kid? I did. I spent a lot of time in Yellowstone, spent a little bit of time in Glacier, um, and spent a lot of time in and around Bozeman, skiing, biking, backpacking, climbed all the peaks in Paradise Valley. Um, you know, we had a great college life. It took seven years, 
Um, <laughs> but we Maybe did it. you're still there <laughs> mentally. But we did it, you know. But, I, you know, we graduated with no college loans and, and worked our way through. You know, bartended, washed dishes, worked restaurants, baked bread, um, you know, did all that stuff. Summers we would spend in in Nantucket, work in the restaurant scene there and, and make a wad of cash and go back. Oh, and Nant- how'd you end up in Nantucket? Uh, friends would go every summer, work restaurants and and uh, build rock walls, do masonry. And so one summer I just tagged along and loved it, had a blast. I did that in the Grand Canyon one summer. It was great. It was, it's so fun to just get lost and do something you'll never have a chance to do again in your life. Yeah, and going to Nantucket was wild. I mean, they just made a ton of money. I mean... It, Restaurants Isn't are open it amazing for three how much money you could save in college making low wages, but since your expenses were so low, and then you have a family and kids, you can't save. You can make all the money in the world, and you can't save anything. Could never save a dime. <laughs> so speaking of, you have kids. Two two daughters. Yeah. How old are they? I have a uh, one that's about to be twenty one. Oh. The oldest and the youngest is eighteen. Just turned eighteen. Good ages. Great They're starting ages. to become young, or they are young adults, and you can have. Real conversations. Oh, yeah. They're a real blast. They're real good kids right now. So uh, what kind of father were you compared to your parents? Um, I think well, I was. are you? I, I, but I, you're not fathering as much now. You're, no, you're I— You're fathering a staff at Imperial and Portland Penn That Diner. too. More strict with my kids. Definitely more strict than I think I was with my father and, than my father was with me. And definitely a wee bit more protective as their girls, you know. Why is that? They're girls. Because yeah. <laughs> you had an idea of why you should be protective? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. yeah. Um, so, and where are they? Are they around here? Or are they? Um, Zaya is... Zaya, that's a beautiful Zaya name. will be graduating from, uh, from high school in the next couple months. And Steely will be starting Monday. She'll start culinary school. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, she, she got some little baking bakery bug up her butt, and now she's going to... Do the do the pastry program at at Oregon Culinary Institute. Well, that's good. Yeah, I it's assume I'm sued. I assume Dad might be able to help her with a few connections when she's uh, done with that. I I totally will. I was just she did a year at the at Oregon State University. Came back after that year and was like, I just hated that. And I was like, Well, why are you telling me now? Come you didn't tell me why you're doing it. She was like, I didn't want to disappoint you. And I was like, Oh, brother. So she despise that um isn't it amazing how those conversations don't come up they come up matter of factly yeah yeah you know after all and, that was spent and, and it was like oh my today, gosh into today's like it. world you know college yeah. is not you know it's not a cheap endeavor so my friend philippe uh philippe Boulot, um actually gave her a job working part-time in the pastry department at uh, the mac club and mm-hmm. part-time at joe's at the mac club to kind of you know, get her set on her way, and she's been doing that for a year, and all of a sudden, pastry has become this this love, and, you know, we see it around the house all the time. Last night, I get home, and she had this big, huge cake that she's making for a friend of hers. You know, every birthday, every event, there was always a cake. Even her own, even her own graduation, she made her own cake, you know, for yeah. her graduation. So um, To make sure it was good. Yeah, so she's just got this bakery bug, and that's what she's going to do. That's great. So speaking of bakery bugs, what are some of the there? Are, you know, you have uh, Maurice up the street from you. Um, what are some of the places that you bakeries or not 
that uh, that you've been hanging out in in Portland lately that you really love? Well, I tried um, Trifecta the other day. That was great. I love uh, I love what Ken's been doing. Um, Roman Candle was was delicious. Um, but it's it's so hard to find real good pastry programs in restaurants. It it's sometimes at most restaurants, and I, and I emphasize most. It seems like an afterthought. And I know at Paley's and at Imperial, we we really tried to put that into the front. I mean, Michelle bakes all of the bread. We do the house Parker house rolls. All of the pies I love those made Parker daily. House Th- rolls. Those things are outrageous. When I have someone in from out of town, we have to get the Parker house rolls. I mean, those are those are just I mean amazing. I mean, it's so difficult for me. I love bread. I I trained as a baker as well, and so bread when it comes out of the oven at right before lunch and then again right before dinner and the entire rest basically the entire block smells like fresh rolls coming out of the oven i mean it is it it takes all my willpower to not devour a couple with some salted butter it also gives you a little more motivation to get into work oh yeah 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 i can almost smell them now they're coming out of the oven i can too i was (laughs) as a matter of fact there was a little moment of silence there the two of us were in uh we're in uh parker roll parker house roll heaven um, so where else um, around town? I know you're busy. You don't get to go, go out a lot. But you also, you're not there on weekends all the time. So you mm. have a chance to get out. Yeah, I we try to go out at least once or twice a week. Um, it's usually date night, Saturday night. I, I typically, for the most part, have Saturday, Sundays off, being the bookkeeper, the payroll guy, the the coder and tagger of invoices, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of business and banking happens Monday through Friday. And if it's a busy Saturday service, I'll work. But Saturday night, we try to get out and hit a hit a restaurant around town. Um, and Do then, you have a pretty good time getting into some of the tougher places because you you can you never, have a little control? Really? You never. Can't, you can't make a call to Greg I and nev- Gabby and never. say, hey, I'm coming in. I, I never do that. You, I, that I, my my girlfriend to? always asks me. She says, "Why don't you just tell them who you are?" And it's like, "Well, it's not about that. I just want to. I want to make a reservation. I want to walk in. I want to be seated. I want to check it out. I want to eat, drink, be merry, go on my merry way. No fanfare, no nothing. That's okay. what I like." Now, do you get a lot of? Do you get the opposite where you get a lot of other people from other restaurants, either front of the house chefs, calling you and expecting? Absolutely. And anybody walks into my restaurant, they'll be very well taken care of. And, no uh, matter who they are. No matter who they are. And the thing about Vitaly and Kimberly and and a lot of the crew that I work with, we know a lot of people. And it's my job to remember people, remember faces. And if anybody walks into my restaurant, whether it's a concierge, a chef, a cook, or a bartender, you know, we're pretty much on it. and We'll make a beeline right for them no matter what. Um, and I really try to kind of stay incognito when I'm out and about. I mean, I want to see what the true color is, you right. know, for me. I like to see the true color. What is the true color? So of that's a more important than actually getting a seat and not waiting an hour. Correct. If I I won't wait an hour, I'll just go somewhere else. Right. You know. Well, that eliminates a few places, though. That's, it does eliminate. That's a the few sad places, part. Yeah. Some of the great places, but I guess that's a, the case in any city. But there are a lot of great restaurants here that don't take reservations for less than six. Yeah, I, I had. I remember when Ava Jeans was opening, and I was just had, I was just hell bent to 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 go there, and I actually. You know, emailed the manager and exercised a little bit. Well, I'm the GM at Imperial, you know, and that I think was the only time, and that was over a year ago. That was right when they opened. I had just had a bug up my butt to get to that restaurant. I don't know why. And um, and I had to exercise a little like, hey, I'm Garrett at Imperial. 
And I think that's about the only time. So maybe did you feel uncomfortable with that? So you haven't wanted to exercise that? A little since? bit. I mean, I don't, you know, I, I just, but I wanted to get into that restaurant to check it out. You know? And what'd you think? It was great. It was very good. I remember that first meal there. It was, it was exceptional. It was good. I've had good experiences there. There's a lot on division that's, There's a lot. that's really good. I've been back a couple times, actually, and that's the true, to go back, that's, that is a true testament to a restaurant if you go back. Right, especially someone who's in your shoes and you Correct. don't get to go out a lot. Yeah. Um, you have to pick and choose where you're going to go, yeah. and, there, and you have, let's face it, you have a lot of friends in the industry, yep. and you'd like to show your face at all of their restaurants, and it's, it's kind of tough. Yeah. It's definitely tough. I mean, it's we all want to spread that love around. Are there so your time off? You have a girlfriend. You go skiing. You're out at the coast. Uh, are there any uh, chefs, people in the business that you like to hang out with, or do you just kind of is your escape? It's an it's a complete escape. I mean, I'll ride sometimes with Vitaly. If there's special events in town, we'll hang out. But otherwise, it's like shut it off. Shut it off. Completely try to get that 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 equilibrium, that work life balance. You know, bike or hike or ski or go to the coast, but definitely escape. And are you able to do that? Are you able to absolutely forget about work? And is is the cell phone off? Uh, it's never off. Oh. Never off. So you really can't escape completely. No, it was going off this morning of at seven a.m. Seven a.m. It was going off. What oh, could yeah. be happening at seven a.m. that you oh, need to answer to? It's pretty. It's a long length of stories. Oh, yeah. Anything. Yeah. So I think you're pretty lucky because in my mind, I've had the good fortune to meet a lot of the chefs in town and people, other people in the food industry. It's my contention that Vitaly Paley is one of the nicest men in show business. He's the greatest. I mean, it, it always we always used to go, oh, man, he's so great to work for, you know, and, and that and that's not that's not really the case. He's so great to work with. He's so There's a different. He, you don't work for you were talking him. About it you before. work with him. Right. And you were talking about it before. There, the thing about Vitaly is it's all genuine. All. And, and I think there are a lot of people in Portland who are just really super nice people. But in the end, they're trying hard to be Portland, too. Vitaly just is who he is. He's, got, he's still got his background, his culture inside of him. But he, it's not, he's not all about that, obviously. He's transformed. Uh, just a really nice guy. I won't gush too yeah, much. Yeah, I mean, I mean, working for and working with Vitaly and Kimberly is. Um, I've always had great work ethic. I've always worked hard. I've always had that. I've always been there when the business has needed me. And working side by side with these two just takes this to a whole nother level. I mean, if I have to spend over the allotted amount of time to make sure that the business gets taken care of, I have no problem doing it. Absolutely, 100%. The guy exudes work ethic, and you just want to work hard for the whole entire project. And that's got to be, and and I was remiss in not mentioning Ben, because Ben's been a very important part of Vitaly's success as well. Instrumental at Paley's, instrumental on the Food Network, instrumental in in getting uh, Imperial up and running. Really, it's... It's Ben's menu. It's Ben's ship. It, it Imperial is Ben Bettinger. You know, with Vitaly Paley there two, three, four nights a week, kind of, you know, overseeing being the general. 
Um, but ultimately, you know, it, it's, it has a very large thim- thumbprint of Ben Bettinger. And there's, for sure. no, there's no doubt about that. And I think the other thing that makes all of uh, all Paley's restaurants is Kimberly and Vitali are there. They're not, they've been in the business a long time. Yeah. And they really deserve to get away. I'm going to say that they they deserve to get away more than they than they do. Yeah. Um, but they're there. So speaking of that, um, and I know you probably wouldn't say otherwise, but I can see you would like to be there for a long time. Is that you know a lot of people in the restaurant business think oh there's a one year two year burnout process or period at any one place. Can you see yourself being there five, ten years from now? Oh, absolutely. As long as the restaurant is is up and functioning and running, absolutely. I mean, I'll do whatever uh, it is needed to make it work. Or maybe there will be another project. You never, you never know. I mean, maybe there's another Paley project. Um, you know, we always have talked about it. We've always talked about making sure we get Imperial and Penny Diner up to where it needs to be, comfortable. Um, satisfying and quite frankly sustainable where we have you know 60 men and women working front of the house back of the house and and you know and and being able to kind of put some money towards savings into capital expenditures and maybe look for a new project ultimately how, that's the goal how much uh, how much at imperial and portland penny diner because it's part of uh provenance how much does that play into what you have to do that you might do differently if well if breakfast you in a hotel? is uh, b- breakfast is the big you know is the big elephant in the room you know that's really the only thing we have to do the lease was constructed to um, be very much about culinary and culinary doing what culinary needs to do I remember the conversation with the hotel is that we're not going to tell you how to make your soup and and we were like yeah and we're not going to tell you what pillowcase or pillow top to put on your bed. I mean, that's just, that's the relationship, you know? They, we piggyback, we're symbiotic, but yet we're completely separate. And obviously being downtown, being in a hotel, you have to have some quote unquote, I hate using the word pedestrian items, but we have to have that kind of stuff. We yeah, have to have you've, breakfast. You've got more you know? people from out of town material than probably, well, I, I, I can't necessarily surmise that that would be the case at Paley's because there's a lot of notoriety there, so people would probably. But it's a hundred seat restaurant compared to a forty seat restaurant. I mean, there's right. you know there's there's a wide there's a disparity of of seats that need to be filled, and and we have to do everything in our power to fill that. And on top of that, events. Events, yeah. And you've got some big rooms there to fill too. Yep. How many of those rooms? We have uh, two rooms with a third to come online here real quick. A smaller room called the boardroom, but we have the Monterosa room and the Genoa room, which is downstairs, and we can do up to. 90 people sit down in the largest room, which wow. we have done. And are they filled? I, I always marvel at how full, but I don't, it's not as surprising at a hotel. November, December, they're full. Um, the last few weeks has been a little bit sporadic just of, with business travel. Um, but, you know, we like to keep them full for lunch and dinner, no doubt about it. We've got a, a team that's out selling selling rooms, you know, selling those those private events. Right. And that's just adds that's just another revenue stream for for the restaurant. And I'm sure it's necessary in this day and age. The more revenue streams the better. Yeah, definitely. There's there's a sense of diver, you know, you have to be diverse. So lunch, dinner, penny diner, uh, the catering segment have to be diverse. How would you describe penny diner to someone Who's just saying, gee, I've never heard of it before. Oh, quick, grab and go. Everything under 10 bucks. Great coffee machine. 
and uh, beautiful little uh, lunch specials on a daily basis. I always kind of gravitate towards, don't forget about those, uh, uh, you know, egg sandwiches. The breakfast sandwiches are a hit. We'll sell anywhere from 40 to 50 of those daily. And they're three fifty, four fifty, and and, that, and five. That's a pretty good deal for people rushing to work who haven't yeah. had the opportunity. It takes a matter of minutes to cook it and put it together. Matter of minutes to get it packaged and out the door you go. Everything under ten bucks. So I guess I I have to ask, uh, what would you recommend? What's your favorite item on the menu for lunch and dinner at today? Oh, let me see. Last night I had the uh, Portland Dining Month menu. I had the lamb, the lamb shoulder um, that had been braised with a little cauliflower couscous that Benny makes. It's just, that was outrageous. Um, and you tweet a lot, or you you go out there with the stuff you love. You're putting it out there. Yeah, you know, we just put this Wagyu, uh, Snake River Farms Wagyu culotte on the menu about three weeks ago, and that was my favorite cut for a while. You know, the steelhead's been great. Uh, the fried radish that recently came on the menu with shrimp, maple syrup, and fish sauce. Oh, that sounds I, good. I mean, I can't even tell you how outrageous that dish is. Just amazing. Is that on the menu right now? It is on the menu right is now. Is it on the Portland Dining Month? No, that is not. By the time this airs, that Dining Month will be over. But Probably. We're just about towards the end. So did you have a chance? I know you've been talking, and it's unfair to ask you that your wheels were turning, but did you have a chance to think of some of the places that you're really excited about? I know you wanted to get to Ava Jean's. You got there. There have got to be some other restaurants maybe you haven't tried or some that you have that you would recommend to others coming in from out of town. Um, you know, a place that's been kind of one of our little favorites that's been so consistent has been Muka. Um, and just because it's in our neighborhood downtown, Gruner's always been a great spot, even though I had to, I had a funny little event at, at Gruner about six months ago. But nonetheless, the food is outrageous. The bar scene is great. Cask around the corner is always good. That's a great bar. Um, I love I love going there um, just because it's, it's there's such a level of consistency. You know you're going to get good quality food. Every time you go, um, where else have I uh, have I been hitting up trifecta? We've tried a couple times; it's been great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I notice you're not saying Jake's. No, I probably won't get back there for any time soon. <laughs> there's a I'll, lot. There's a lot on that block. I love uh, that restaurant. I love that place. I mean, that's where I cut my teeth in Portland. Right, and that's why. There. That's why I mentioned it. And and unfortunately, um, I will not go there. You know, you know, you have to you have limited opportunities to get out. So it's it's kind of tough. Yeah. And now it's more about, you know, the friends that and the families that are that are our size of restaurants. I mean, that's the most important is is supporting those, you know, the 40, 50, 60 seat restaurants that's that are in our game that we do lots of philanthropy with that. We do lots of uh, special events for those are the people that I'm interested in in visiting and supporting no matter what. Well, good. That's what you have in where you are. So, yeah. um, you know, I think Paley's is a, is a Portland institution and I always suggest people visit there because get a taste of Portland. Imperial, on the other hand, not on the other hand, but Imperial is embodying Oregon. I think I like to think that it's trying to give you the full Oregon experience. And it's interesting that you ended up there because having never been to the Northwest before 10 years ago, my first experience actually was in Montana and then got to the Oregon coast and and I get that feeling at Imperial. I get the whole Northwest feeling at Imperial. It's it's more than Portland. It, it is very Northwest. I mean, I love that space. I mean, I, I remember looking at it before we actually put furniture in there, before it was actually full, before the bar was in there and I was just, 
I just love that space. And, and I hear that a lot from people when they walk in is, wow, this is, has such a great vibe, a great – somebody last night was actually going, wow, this just has this great Northwest vibe in here. You know, it wasn't a Portland vibe. It was just a Northwest vibe. Yeah, it's, it's expanded know? beyond that. Yeah. Even though, it, you know, it's named after the hotel. Yeah. I like the seats that are facing each other between the pillars. I don't know. You must have a name for those. Yeah, those are the tens. I, the tens. Yeah. I love sitting at those. I, I suggest them. Yeah. So I sincerely appreciate I was looking forward to this for a long time because we were talking about great front of the house people. Heather and I were talking about it. And I said, first guy that came to mind was Garrett and uh, were you. I, don't, I, I hate talking about people in the third person to them, <laughs> uh, to you. So I'm really glad you came in. Um, just fun to have you here. It was an honor. It was a total a total pleasure. I kind of had the willies last night when I was trying to fall asleep, going, "Oh my gosh, what are we going to talk about?" Willies. Yeah, the willies. You know. <laughs> what am I going to say? What am I going to say to challenge you? Oh, uh, I don't know. I just you know, it's it's always uh, you know the media is always got to be. And this mindful. isn't media. This is a conversation. It I is. It's a great conversation. You, I felt you, very comfortable. Good. Good. I appreciate it. And come back again, and we're going to invite some of your friends over there. We'd love to have Kimberly and Vitaly and Ben, and uh, thanks so much for coming. Absolutely. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Take care. Have a good one. Have a good weekend. It's coming up. I can't wait. So what's it going to take? What's it going to take for Portland to have a, a service renaissance here? Because, you know, at some point... We gotta, we gotta start paying attention to this. I mean, more and more people are coming to Portland. We're getting more and more attention here for, for the food. Can it, can it? This I be fixed? I, I think you're dreaming. No, I really? think you're dreaming. I don't think it's that terrible. I mean, you just have to have a certain expectation. But um, I think with the price structure where we are, in order for the service to be elevated, first of all. A lot of people around the country have heard about Portland. But in order for the service level to go to a, a different level, like New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, San Francisco, those people are, are, going, to be, are going to need to want to come to Portland. And uh, while it may be less expensive here, they're just not going to make the money that they were making there. Yeah. But I think, Garrett, you know, there are some that do it really well. And I asked him in the podcast whether it's food or the experience. And I, food is important. That's a, almost a given in many places that the food's going to be great. There are times where I just want to go or send people where I know they're going to be taken care of. Right. Right. I mean, you want to, you, you want it to be a well-rounded experience, but it is so noticeable if you travel outside of Portland to any one of the major cities that you mentioned. Las Vegas is where I really noticed it. And I sat down for a wonderful meal and, you know, put my purse on the floor and the server rolled over an ottoman so that my purse did not have to sit on the floor. And I'm not saying we need to do that here, but just, just tweak it a little bit. Just up it a little bit more. You know, in the Bay Area when I worked there, I had uh, a client that did secret dining for a lot of restaurants and chains. It was it was a service that you could buy into, and and she had secret diners. I actually did it a little bit as well on this as like a side gig, but you were noticing little elements uh, along the way that at a diner you pro as a diner you probably wouldn't notice, but you were keeping track of things like you know 
how long after you sat down did somebody offer you water? How long after you put in the drink order did, did the drinks actually come? How long after you put in your food order you know, did, did the food come? How long after your food sat down did somebody come up and check on you? And it really, it does make a difference. You know, if, a, if somebody sitting down has to look at their watch a couple times and you do that enough times all over the city, it starts to it starts to wear on you a little bit, and, and just wait till marijuana is legalized. <laughs> see what the service oh, no. is going to be like then. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. But it's just really nice to have Garrett in here as, as somebody who has mastered that and and did such a lovely job over at the Heathman, and uh, and Vitali wisely swooped him up, and uh, we're all and Kimberly because Kimberly is yes is the one who really was concerned about, and not that Vitali isn't, but that's Kimberly's bailiwick over there, right? And uh, he does a great job. So check out Imperial uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Imperial PDX and imperialpdx.com they're on broadway and portland penny diner and portland penny well. diner as well yeah breakfast sandwich sounds fantastic Cheap. I haven't st- yeah 350 on your way to work i went there for lunch uh, a couple weeks ago and with a friend and we sat down ordered three things and got out of there for under 15 dollars okay. amazing fantastic next time we come in court i'm bringing you breakfast sandwich is that okay? Will, yes. you, will yes. you actually eat it? Yes. A free breakfast sandwiches next podcast recording session. Done deal.